Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Five green check marks across all platforms. Mile high hello, everybody in the Broncos, uh, in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dub Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson. Joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Header's senior NFL draft analyst, and one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, obviously news of the week has to be going on the, you know, the, the coaching search that George Payton and a massive contingency of people uh, from the sound of it have actually been traveling across the country. They've been in five cities over the last four days, interviewing seven different candidates for their uh, head coaching position, including as of right now, as we speak, Eric, the enemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas city chiefs, that interview is still ongoing. So have you been able to keep up with this entire whirlwind of news that's been coming out of Dove Valley over the last couple of days? No, I've been in the process <laughs> of making it and destroying my living room. Um, we've been hit with a couple of, not super bad earthquakes, but a couple of decent-sized ones. I mean, just the other night we were um, – last night, actually, we were just hit with, like, a 5.0 earthquake. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a 6-point-something in December, and some of the shelving units that we had were old and starting to fall apart. Um, so we had to go and just completely redo that and redo the shelves. And like an idiot, I bought all the shelves at once and decided, oh, let's do it all at once. So that's being a big pain in the – but right now we're having all these shelving units put together and slowly trying to move stuff from one area instead of doing it one by one. But uh, I'm tired. Uh, I, I'm exhausted and I'm so far out of loop of stuff that's been going on that should be interesting because you'll probably bring news up, bring up some news that I hadn't even heard of until now. Oh, okay. Well, that's going to be fun because I was hoping that you might be able to bring some insight with some people that you've been talking to and some some birdies that you you know communicate with that might be able to help us out and understand a little bit more about cool. this coaching service. So we'll we'll have some fun here, guys. So this sounds like a typical DVDD night. We'll just BS our way through. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what we do, and uh, I mean, it's been this way for a while, you know, because we we really like to try to, you know, engage with everybody as much as we possibly can. Um, I'll throw out some nonsense, and Eric will then correct me. Well, today we might be able to have some some more fun banter back and forth and everything like that. A um, lot of stuff, guys, going on, especially obviously with the coaching search and everything. Um, also, some news dropped about the potential shift in ownership that we could be potentially seeing a couple of new buyers emerging, including Robert F. Smith, a billionaire investor from the Denver area is a very intriguing name we talked about him a couple months ago on the dove valley deep divers podcast listen up broncos country tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Two o'clock mountain time. Are you getting into your draft stuff? Is that kind of where you're going to be on the focus on this? Nice. I cannot wait to get into it. Uh, Jacob Foster jumping in here. Uh, nothing to say, just showing some love, giving us some stars on uh, on Facebook. And we appreciate that, Jacob. We appreciate everybody for joining us. Let's say hello to everybody in the chat so far today. DeAndre Weatherspoon jumping in here. Um, whoever gets a second interview will be uh, one of the finalists to watch. Absolutely. If they do second uh, interviews. They very well might not do second interviews, by the way. Um, Ernie May is jumping in here. We'd love to see Ernie. Ernie is one of the best supporters on, on the Facebook community. He's always talking on the Mile High Huddle uh, super fan group. Uh, so he's great. Uh, Mile High Mike jumping in here. Ernie says hello, gentlemen, and hello to Ernie. Mile High Mike saying that uh, we should bring in Brian Dable. Now, this is where we can get into some really fun conversations here. Uh, if you listen to Broncos country tonight, the other day, uh, Benjamin Albright was actually saying that the, uh, the Broncos had a list of about 30 names. In fact, it was 28 names um, that the, uh, they were, they had as like a long list of names that they wanted to kind of interview. And they whittled it down to the 10 that we have right now. Brian Dable was on that original 28 list. However, the reason why he's not on the list and it doesn't sound like they're going to bring him in for an interview is because they had this preconceived notion that he was probably going to accept a job somewhere else. Probably in Chicago was the one that was like the most likely. Um, and Ben had been reporting that for quite some time and everyone keeps saying, you know, bring in Brian Dable. Um, it doesn't sound like he was ever actually in the plans to be interviewed. Eric, I'm not sure if you've heard anything different than that, but uh, that's why Dable is not on the radar for the Broncos, at least in this coach hiring cycle. Um, and it does but, sound uh, like uh, Miami is getting involved with Brian Dable as well. The team to watch now, I mean, it was always, there was always rumors and rumblings going through the grapevine that he was eyeing the Chicago job to be able to work with Justin Fields. But with the general manager hire in New York with the Giants, Dabble is a the big one to watch there now. Um, him or Brian Flores are among the, I guess, the two favorites. I guess I would say. So it sounds. Yeah, and it sounded like Flores is the early fra- the early odds on favorite to get that. Um, with Dable interviewing in Miami as well. Um, I do know that Brian Dable worked with Alabama before he was hired on as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, and he has experience with Tua Tagovailoa. So obviously with him starting to kind of come around, uh, he developed fairly nicely in Miami this season, was one of the the league leaders in terms of completion percentage this year. Um, They didn't ask him to do a lot of like super creative things. It was a lot of easier throws and dink and duck kind of stuff, but the accuracy was always there with Tua. Um, They just had to figure out a way to translate him to the, the NFL level. Dable, with what he was able to do with Josh, Allen early and then to transform him into a legitimate franchise quarterback, a top two quarterback in the NFL. And yes, I'm going to say top two. Um, like it's, it's easy to see why Dable would be coveted by Miami. Should the giants go Flores rather than Dable. I mean, I, I've had, a, I've talked to quite a few people 
um, about the whole Alabama connection to Tua. And what a couple of them said was that don't uh, don't overstate it because the year that Brian Dabble was the offensive coordinator for them was the year Jalen Hurts was the starter. So okay. he was still working with Tua, um, but it was more so the focus with Jalen Hurts and everything. Still a connection there, one to right. you know consider. But um, but it's always seemed like he's wanted to throughout the interview process. And I think I mentioned it on here a earlier during the season when one of the times we talked about potential coaching candidates, if Vic Fangio were to get fired at that time, I believe I mentioned about Brian Devil wanting to go somewhere that has a quarterback, yeah. that has a young quarterback that he can work with. Uh, Justin Fields with Chicago, Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Those were the two I mentioned at the time. Tua can fit that, I guess. Um, but it's going to be interesting if he ends up going to the Giants because they don't have that quarterback unless he yeah. feels that, you know, maybe Daniel Jones somehow, well, um, the, you know, can have that, that what, fourth year giant leap that, you know, just always should be expecting or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the one thing I not, will... they're in a, they're in a decent position to go get somebody that he does want. They yeah. have those two top 10 picks this year. Bit of a reach in my opinion, taking one there, but you know, NFL teams always view it differently. Well, it, it happens every single year. I mean, look at the year that what was it? Jake look at the year Locker, Daniel Jones was drafted. Yeah, yeah well, well Jake, uh, Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, um, Blaine Gabbard. I believe they were all in the same draft class, and uh, Christian Ponder was a, a top fifteen pick, and he was definitely not worthy of a top 10, a fifteen pick. I want to say uh, hello to Michael Ronquillo as well. We had his, uh, had him up there. I just want to acknowledge that really fast. And thanks, Michael, for joining us. Uh, Peter Middleton always, as always, every single Friday, jumping in from Cambodia. We appreciate you for joining us as well, Peter. Uh, nearly through all the interviews, who will be a surprise second interview? Now, the early odds on favorite, and it's been kind of speculated for a while now. Eric kind of mentioned it back a, a while ago. I've been kind of stumping the table for it here as well. Um, Dan Quinn, obviously, is probably the early favorite right now. Sounds like his interview went really, really, really well. Um, the other one that I've heard that could potentially get a, a, a second interview is Jonathan Gannon, who surprisingly – well, I guess not surprisingly, but uh, unexpectedly um, – interviewed very well and is getting a lot more attention for, for, it sounds like coming out of Dove Valley. And then the other one is, um, who was the third one? I don't get the Jonathan Gannon love. I really don't because he took a Philadelphia Eagles defense. That wasn't terrible by no means was it terrible, but he misused so many players. And I've heard a lot of people go and try to tout this whole thing that that is such a untalented defense. No, that defense has quite a bit of talent mm -hmm. um, missing some big pieces like their linebackers aren't that good but their defensive front like their that defensive line those edges are solid they have solid pieces in the secondary and he misused them i mean fletcher cox didn't have this great year which yeah he's starting to hit this decline but there's still juice left in him and jonathan ginn couldn't you know figure out how to use them properly for him to be a consistent piece on that front and i also hear him talk about as the next brandon staley brandon staley's defense before he got the head coaching job with the chargers when he was with the rams was one of the best units in the NFL that year. Like there is a there's a counterpoint huge to that though. difference between those two. There's a counterpoint that you can add with that though is he also had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Michael Brockers as well who was playing really well for them. Um, they also had a, a, a pair of linebackers that were playing. Yeah, like, he had talent and he knew right. how to use it. And he knew yeah, how to exactly. maximize yeah. other talent. The, the one because thing they that did I... that without pass rushers like yeah. off the edge. Mm -hmm. They did that with us. I mean, they got some good play from their secondary. Um, the guy from Ohio State, the safety that was a rookie um, that year, I believe, um, Jordan Fuller. I mean, 
was what, a sixth round pick yep. and ended up becoming a stud right away in that defense. Like he just knew he, and it's something that we're seeing with the chargers too. They still need to add more talent to it. And that defense was hit or miss this year. A lot of miss against the run. That run defense was atrocious. Um, so I don't know. I just don't get the get this comparison there. I don't get the hype with Jonathan Gannon. I'm not a fan of all one of the ten interviews were announced and everything. Gannon was always my least favorite. Right. I, I've, I was, never, I've never seen it or got it with him. I was with you on that, and I, I'm not going to disagree by any stretch of the imagination. You use the talent that you have, and you feel find a way to to make it work. Um, what I've been hearing though is that uh, Jonathan Gannon is not really an X's and O's kind of a guy. And it like it, you're gonna cringe when I say this, but it's like a leader of men kind of a guy. He's a, a CEO type, delegates responsibilities really well. Um, apparently he started off in the NFL on the scouting side of things, so he identifies talent really well for the most part, from what what it sounds like, anyways. Um, X's and O's was never really his his thing. Um, he's a bright mind from the sound of it, and it sounds like he interviewed well as well. A very well spoken, detail oriented, organized was like incredibly well spoken about everything. Had a plan, had a vision for what he wanted to try to do, um, and, and everything like that. So I, I can see why if you interview well, you interview well. But what can you do as far as changing the landscape of uh, of a team as far as leading your guys into the right, putting your guys in the situation to succeed and that is something that he failed to do in Philadelphia. So I'm with you on that one, but there's more something there, there's something more so that needs to be had out of your head coaching position that we didn't see with Vic Fangio, a guy that's really good with the X's and O's, but he was terrible at clock management, terrible at game management from and the entire spectrum, you know, um, wasn't focused on the offensive side of the football, kind of just let Pat Shermer do his thing. Didn't have any plan of making anything better. No development plan for any of his younger players. It just didn't yeah, seem like I, I wouldn't say that he had a plan for developing them. Well, that, that's, there, there were just issues with it, like Baron Browning's injuries. They got in the way yeah, of their yeah. development plan with him. Um, right. I mean, Patrick Zertan, they wanted to bring him along slowly, then um, a little bit slow, uh, slowly, I'm, I'm, and then I'm, Ronald Darby got hurt. I'm, I'm more but speaking. I, there, there was a plan for developing the young guy. Right. I, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to the offensive side of the football where you didn't see a lot of true development. I mean, where's Natani Moody at? I mean, he's got injury issues of his own, you know, Mike Munchak. He's not good. God. But I mean, there's, we got to see him last. We got to see him in two games in 2020 right. against the, what the Raiders and after the Panthers game where he was decent in the, in the Panthers game as a run blocker. And then his pass protection was absolute trash. Then he got in against the Raiders and was just dominated. We saw him early this year, and he was continued to be dominated. There's a reason why they went to Quinn Miners right. over him after Glass going down. Like they've been working with him to develop him. It's just he hasn't come along. So I'm not sure right. where you're coming from with the no plan for uh, developing the. Uh, okay, that's 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 fair. Then I guess it's speaking a little bit out of turn. Anyways, that, like that's those are the reasons why uh, they they admire Jonathan Gannon the way they do. Just to and give that clarity for you. I get that. And I get the whole leader of men thing. And that's what you want from your head coach. And you want to be able to delegate. And that's something that I've said before is I, I want a head coach that can delegate, take some of the responsibility off his sh um, shoulders when it comes to either the offensive or defensive side of the ball, whichever side he comes from. Like, I like that. I'm tick sick. And, I'm so sick and tired of hearing the leader of men. It's really become just a meme at this point. It is. Um, but I, I get, I get it. And um, maybe he is. Uh, I, I checked it up. He didn't. He came in um, following. Uh, he was with Louisville as a graduate assistant. Followed. Um, oh, who was the coach? Scott might actually know this. Um, 
was the coach there in I think it was 2007, 2006. Bobby Petrino. Yeah, he followed uh, Petrino to the NFL and was a um, defensive quality control coach for them um, for a while. Um, Then went to the Titans, Vikings, and which is where he got the connection with uh, George Payton. Yeah. And anyways, I get it. The whole leader of men thing. My the issue that I have is we have a lot of strong personalities on defense. A lot of them didn't get get along well with um, Vic Fangio. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's coming out about it. There's been stuff that's been reported on involving uh, Shelby uh, Harris um, and you know him not wanting to come back because he initially because he didn't want to play for Vic Fangio. There was butting heads there. There was an incident in. Uh, training camp this year between Bradley Chubb and Vic Fangio, which led to frustrations between Bradley Chubb and Garrett Bowles or stemmed off that one of the two. I can't remember exactly which. So like you have to find this balance here. And it's a concern I have with Dan Quinn too, because Dan Quinn, he's viewed as that leader of men. Um, players love him because, and one of the things I can't remember who it was. I think it might've been Micah Parsons came out and spoke on it just this last week, talking about how he's the cool guy. And he just kind of lets the, players do what they want. And there's been comments like that from Jonathan Gannon and don't really want a ship that's not under control by the head coach. And that's one of the, and again, that's one of the concerns I have both of them because we saw it. The Dallas Cowboys were what the most penalized defense this year. And yep. I believe the Eagles were pretty high up there as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that lack of discipline off the field, translating on the field? It's hard to argue that it isn't. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you there. I, it, it, it just that was something that I heard was Jonathan Gannon it interviewed very well. I was kind of giving kind of some ideas there as well, but I, I definitely see where you're coming from on that one. Uh, the third one was Nathaniel Hackett, um, but that's a conversation for another time. I got a good question here from Andrew Baker jumping in here, showing some love. What up, Lance, Eric, and Scott in the Broncos country? Got to ask the draft specialist who is our upgrade for the offensive line and linebacker in the draft. Hashtag Mile High Huddle for life. I'm going to start off here, Eric. Um, if you pay attention to the mock drafts that are flying around right now, Mel Kuyper Jr. and I believe it was Dane Brugler both had the Broncos taking a linebacker at the number nine overall pick. Different linebackers. You have uh, N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, and then Devin, uh, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from the University of Utah. Um, of the two, N'Kobe Dean is a guy that I really like. Um, he's a little, the reason why he's a little bit thicker. Uh, Devin Lloyd seems to be thinner. He's got a frame to, to add some muscle. He's got great athleticism. He's decent in, in pass coverage. Got exploited against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Um, that was the one game I was really kind of paying attention to him. But uh, at the same time, Ohio State does a good job of getting wide receivers lined up against linebackers in pass coverage. And uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba absolutely tore him the new one. It was it was pretty ugly. But uh, NFL level, you want to kind of hide that. And you're probably not going to see that as often as what you did in, a, a, against Ohio State. Um what other linebackers are there, Eric? I, I like I guess I'm behind. I have not got started on the majority of this, but I'll let Eric get this, and then we'll go into the offensive tackles here in a second. I mean, um, they're a little bit later, probably later day two, earlier day three, but Georgia has another couple linebackers. Channing Tindall, he's not a guy. He's kind of Josie Jewel-esque. Limited in pass coverage, but pretty solid downhill. Will have a role on special teams. Um, Quay Walker is another one from there. There's Shad Muma from Wyoming, who I like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Not a great athlete, but he moves well, very smart, very aware. Um, Brandon Smith, if you want an athlete, I mean, he's from Penn State. Um, let's see, there's Christian Harris from Alabama. I believe he declared. Um, I know there's a player from Alabama that ended up returning, and I can't remember if it was uh, Harris or not. It was uh, Henry Toa 
Oh, um, and then there's there's a few others. My mind's kind of drawn a blank at the moment. Um, I can pull them up, pull out some others real quick. Um, as, let's see here. Uh, while you're while you're looking at that, as far as offensive tackles here are concerned, it's actually a pretty decent offensive tackle class as well. Um, edge offensive tackle and linebacker. If you need them, like the Broncos do, this is the draft to do it. Like, there's a lot of quality players. Um, the, the Trevor Penning kid from Northern Iowa, he looks like to be a top 15 pick. Uh, Evan Neal, obviously from Alabama, he's arguably the top tackle. Uh, Eric and I, before we came live, was watching Charles Cross earlier. Um, there's the, uh, um, Nicholas Petit Frere, the kid from, um, Ohio state as well as a second round pick, uh, a couple of other guys as well that seem to be as far as first, first and second round picks that you should be able to take a look at for the offensive tackle position in this particular draft. So, uh, pretty excited. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this, this penning kid. I really am because, uh, I've heard a lot of really good things about him. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Penning, he's one of my top tackles in this class, and I know I'm rather high on him. Senior Bowl is going to be huge for him. I've said that, but for me, mm-hmm. for him, I've said that before, seeing how he is able to go and handle the increase of competition, um, competition that he's going to be facing. Um, but yeah, this tackle class, there's a lot of talent. There's good depth for it. Um, Dane Brugler and Lance um, Zierlein, Zierlein? Yep. Not, how do you say the last name there? Zierlein, yep. Um, on their uh, podcast, they were talking about it, and they, they mentioned offensive tackle, Edge, corner, those are the three strong points of the draft. Um, and, I mean, can't disagree with that. I mean, I've mentioned that before. Those three positions, are they've got good depth. They've got some good talent at the top. I don't think that there's as much top-heavy talent this year overall. Um, there's probably about five or six guys that I would be in that Tier 1 type class for me um, instead of, like, 10 or so that we normally have. Uh, but those guys would be – I mean, Evan Neal, I mean, as Dylan Von Ark says, if he would fall to Denver, that'd be nice. I can't disagree. Akim Naquanu, I wouldn't mind. Um, Trevor Penning, if he's able to hold up at the Senior Bowl. If Denver moves down a decent amount, I mean, I'm not as high on Charles Cross out of Mississippi State as others are. Um, I wouldn't be looking at him at number nine, but after a slight move back, somewhere around 15, I'd be fine with it. Um, Nicholas petit Frere, I like a little bit. I mean, there's quite a few. I'm... Um, uh, Bernard Raymond, um, mm-hmm. Daniel Paolele. I mean, this type yeah. of class, so many good guys here. And then I saw somebody mention about a mock draft with Kenny Pickett. I got uh, it right here. Uh, that was, was I, Venom Seeker saying that taking Kenny Pickett, would he be a good option at quarterback if we did take him? Yeah, I believe that was a um, Daniel Jeremiah's first uh, mock draft of the season. I think Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback taken. Um, listening to um, Dane and Lance and their podcasts that they have, um, there's been a lot of questions about uh, Matt Corral and maturity off-field stuff, um, which I think could see him drop a little bit. Um, one of them made a comment about the football IQ. It was kind of – and then um, listening to uh, Jordan Palmer talk about Desmond Ritter – was kind of funny because this was on um, one of the, the draft dudes, I believe is what it was, mm-hmm. talking about Desmond Ritter, and he's asked what the good things about him, and his, the good things were his attention to detail and QB wins, which was funny to me. But anyways, <laughs> good, getting back to Kenny Pickett, I'm very concerned about the hand size. The fact that over 37 years, over 600 quarterbacks, we've only had two quarterbacks with smaller hands than him, with what's reported. We'll see what actually, where they actually come in at. Watching him against UNC, he started off decent, but the, as the weather got on, his placement, his control of his throws, those things kind of got became problematic. And I don't like him with dealing with pressure. He really 
um, doesn't have a great sense of pressure, um, tends to have a little bit of, bit of panic form, and his footwork, if there is a little bit of pressure, his footwork just completely falls apart. Um, I wouldn't mind him later in the first um, to mitigate the risk there, but at number nine overall, I, I'd, it'd be rough. I'm not even sure that I want him in the first round. Um, the Like, this is the silliest thing in the world. And everyone saw it. It blew up on social media with Kenny Pickett. It was the play, I believe it was the uh, the Big East Championship game or whatever the (laughs) hell game it was, where he goes off on a scramble and he he does the fake slide and then ends up running for a touchdown. It's great athleticism. It's awesome. But at the NFL level, you pull some crap like that, you're liable to get killed. Like, quite honestly, that was – like, you can't have – have both sides of that. You can't be a quarterback, beg for protection, and then go and do something like that and say, well, it's 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 unfair for them to hit me. Like, you're, you're speaking out of both sides of your face there. Um, he reminds me of Kirk Cousins, and he's got at least enough arm strength to make all of the throws, but he doesn't have elite arm talent by any stretch of the imagination. Wins with timing really well. I mean, he's got at least some tools that you can work with, but I, the hand size, the, the attitude that he has, the – just everything about him. I'm not. I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. I just am not. I, I don't know why. And I, As, it really is. It really is the fake slide thing that is like the biggest killer to me. Like I, I, will, I will say that. As Scott said, I was getting ready to make this point, and Scott posted it and saying it's like there's unwritten rules, and he'd get killed if he did that. Yep. And it's true. I mean, there are a lot of things that you just don't do in the NFL. Yep. It's not that it's a rule rule. It's an unwritten rule, and that's one of them. It's like you don't fake something like that. And then do that. Otherwise, they're going to pay you for it. Um, I mean, oh, who was it? There was a quarterback. It wasn't exactly the same play. I think it was in 2020, who like made a motion like he was going to slide, like just a quick like stop or pause in his uh, run, and then the defender eased up a little bit. Um, so I, I'll uh, I yeah. can't remember who it was. I wish I could remember the play. But yeah, that's a that's a problem for it. I mean, the hand size, that's concerning. Like, there's a reason why it's a concern. There's a reason why it's been a concern. Playing in Denver for eight or nine games a year, like that can be problematic. Um, when it gets cold, when it gets if it's windy, bad mm-hmm. weather. Um, but he can, he throws a he throws a pretty pretty ball. I mean, he's his upper body mechanics are are solid. Oh, it's yeah. under pressure. It's the hand size. And going to a bigger ball, and coupled with how he's done in bad weather games, like it's not just hand size alone. It's yeah. comp- it's with the hand size. So yeah, uh, Malcolm Brown jumping in here up from Homer, Alaska, with a generous super chat. We appreciate you, Malcolm, for joining us as always. Uh, was Albert O the best value from the twenty twenty draft? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I I see where you could have the argument for it. Um, and he played a lot better. He's a much better blocker this season. Um, you could see that he had some rapport with, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater is more so than Noah Fant, who actually still had a pretty decent season, but, uh, I, I could see where you would come with that. Honestly, though, the best value from that draft, um, man, it, Judy, to me, still, I mean, you get the best wide receiver in the class at number 15 overall and someone takes Henry Ruggs in front of you. Like, that's a that's that's a big no-no for me. Eric, what do you think, man? Um, That's a hard bear question. With, bear with me here, but I'm going to say the best value from that class is Justin Sernod because he came in, played so poorly, 
that we got to see what Kenny Young could do. We got to see what uh, before he got hurt, and we got to see Jonas Griffin, and they both played well. And it showed just how bad he actually is, but also how easy it is to get linebackers. Right. Scott jumped into <laughs> into into our chat here that and said uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, a starter at number eighty three. While I don't disagree with you, he's like the, one of the worst centers in the NFL. So <laughs> he, he was really I, bad. The, the, he improved the answer, this year. The honest answer here is like it's still too early to tell. Yeah. I is. mean. Injuries to Jerry Judy this year. Injuries to KJ Hammer the last two years. Yeah. Michael Ojemudi was basically gone this whole season with injuries. Yep. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry, he's a starter, but he's meh. Uh, McTelvin Ajim's barely, barely played. Albert Okwebenam's even dealt with injuries last year and had a couple of them this year. Like It's just way too early to tell at this point. Um, I will say they say with uh, where we're at, it's hard not to say Albert O., um, obviously it's for me, it's between Jerry Judy and Alberto, um, for who the best value is here with what they offer up with what they can do. Um, and it's definitely more value than KJ Hamler. I mean, he's got four less yards than KJ Hamler does. Yeah. Uh, KB jumping in here. Oh, what Peter jumping in here, uh, throwing some stars around as well. Which popular head coach candidate doesn't get hired by a team? Uh, Kellen Moore. I, I'll say that right now, Kellen Moore. Um, I've heard a lot of different, a, a lot of different things, not only from um, Benjamin Albright, but uh, listen to ESPN as well. Um, they they did an interview on um, 104.3 to the Fan earlier today, I th- or uh, the other day, with a, a guy from uh, 105.3 the Fan. In, I think it was Jeff Cavanaugh who they had uh, in Dallas. And uh, apparently, there's some issues with Kellen Moore, not necessarily like schematically, uh, but uh, that in the like what he likes to do. But the problem is he doesn't actually have his own scheme. He borrows a lot of plays from other people and just kind of throws it all together. And I, I guess he hasn't really formulated his own offensive system. He's just kind of like oh. a hodgepodge menagerie of things that he's taken from other offensive coordinators, kind of slapped it together. He doesn't build concepts off of each other very well from the sound of it. And also – like he doesn't seem prepared as an interviewer from the sound of it. Like when, as a, um, as far as like doing press conferences and stuff like that, he doesn't sound like he's very, very prepared. Now, the one thing that does kind of give me pause on that is uh, he did reach out to Dan Quinn and said, you know, help me prepare myself and help me, you know, get uh, um, the information I need to have so I can go and kill these interviews and maybe I can get a head coaching job. But uh, even that could, technically be a red flag like you don't have all this stuff already taken care of yourself like that's what you should be doing if you want to be a head coach you should be preparing yourself and have all these questions ready to be answered that you're going to see like I understand you know going and getting a guy that has been there before and done that asking him for a little bit of advice but apparently and and Dan Quinn did the right thing and took him under his wing and kind of helped him out but it sounds like Kellen Moore is not quite ready to be head coach material yet so that, that's the one that that's just what I've heard. So take it with a grain of salt. I don't know these things for a fact. I, I can't tell you that. Um, I'm not privy to these in, interviews. Obviously, it's not something that I'm allowed to do. But from it's like multiple different reports, like Kellen Moore does not interview well at all. Um, well, talk real quick about the whole point of taking from other schemes. I mean, how do you think people come up with their own schemes in the first place? Right. right. They take concepts from other people and they adapt it and everything. And, being under Jason Garrett and then being under uh, Mike McCarthy, like he still is growing in that. Yeah. And I mean, he's still young as a coach and I don't think he's fully gotten to that point where he can has enough to build his own scheme. Right. So I could definitely see that for that reason. I think that he's going to be in play to um, take over as head coach. Thanks Rodney. 
And but the guy that I think that we don't see get a head coaching job this year is Eric Bieniemy. I think we will go once again go without seeing him get a shot. Yeah. Um, don't know how he's interviewed with Denver because that's still going on at the moment, as far as I know. Um, but I have heard consistent issues with how he interviews, with not having a very clear plan with what to do with offenses outside of Andy Reid's shadow. Um, very similar complaints um, that was said about Kellen Moore that we've seen with that with uh, Eric Bieniemy. So I think that he's one. Um, we could see. I don't think I'm if Ken, Kevin O'Connell doesn't get the Denver job. I don't think that he gets one. Same with Brian Callahan. Um, I think Lou Getzey gets a promotion, but he's going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere. I think Nathaniel Hackett gets a co- uh, head coaching job. Um, if not an offensive coordinator job, maybe Green Bay lets him leave for another offensive coordinator job. I know that they want to get that offensive line coach um, promoted. Um, well, and you and I so talked about the it was the offensive line coach, and I believe it was the run game coordinator um, we were talking about last week on Dove Valley Deep Divers, where we were trying to build hypothetical uh, coaching staffs for uh, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, and Nathaniel Hackett. If you guys get an opportunity to go to Mile High Huddle on YouTube um, and check out last week's Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. If you missed us last week and if you didn't get a chance to listen to it after the fact, I highly recommend you do that because it was a good show. You did a really good job last week. Um, but let's see here. Another couple of questions here before we switch uh, switch gears here. Um, Michael, with a very astute observation, it's one that uh, Eric and I have said multiple different times. We need to get Noah Fant more involved in the offense. Like he needs to get more touches. He needs to be utilized more correctly. Quite honestly, um, I don't like the way that they use them on quick hitches and out patterns and stuff like that. They need to use that athleticism and push him vertically down the field some more. And when he does that, he does great things. It's just been uh, well, it's not excuse no He's got to show more consistent effort. When right, he is, when right, is right. Like, notice comment that Pat Shermer didn't use him the best, but like his effort with the way he was used wasn't that great, and that's no way that you're going to win an offense coordinator over. Right. Uh, ample scramble. Let's let's grab Zeb here for Zeb jumping in with a nice super chat. We appreciate you, Zeb, for joining us. Uh, good evening uh, from Eric's neck of the woods. Uh, hoping for Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I could get on board with that. I was impressed with what Nathaniel Hackett was able to do back in Jacksonville, um, at least for one season. Uh, he took Blake Bortles to the champ- to the AFC Championship game, and they were like one or two plays away from going to the Super Bowl and milked a lot of what Blake Bortles did for the best part of his career in Jacksonville. It was uh, highly due to what Nathaniel Hackett does. Now, one counter argument, and I'll let I'll bounce this off of you, Eric. Here is obviously the the Aaron Rodgers factor, but it's not necessarily just Aaron Rodgers. It also happens to be uh, Matt Lafleur, the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Um, what we're seeing with the offense that Green Bay is currently doing, obviously, it's more of what Matt Lafleur likes to do than what Nathaniel Hackett likes to do. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you this question here: Do you think that seeing the success of what Lafleur likes to do offensively, do you think that Hackett's going to be more willing to bring that along with him, or do you think he's going to go back to more the run-heavy power running game instead of zone game? Not really the 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 vertical passing attack, the more quick action, play action stuff like that to get the ball out that we saw with him in Buffalo and also in Jacksonville. Is that something to watch out for with Hackett if he becomes a head coach? Well, I mean, I think his offensive scheme is kind of a little bit of a mix of the two. I was watching some of those Jaguars okay. uh, games the other day when I was taking a break from, you know, destroying my living room. Um, 
and it wasn't just a power game. There was a lot of play action um, concepts, and it made sense for it because Blake Bortles, there was issues, concerns with him about being able to read the whole field. So they're doing stuff to cut the field in half, make give him easier reads, level concepts. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him take a lot more from what uh, LaFleur does there in Green Bay and go to use that um, going forward. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, you you obviously are getting a lot of these interviews based on what you're able to do as far as drawing up the scheme, getting game plans and stuff like that going. Um, Matt LaFleur calls the plays in, in Green Bay, um, and that, that definitely matters. But Nathaniel Hackett at least has the experience of being a play caller back, like I said, in his time with uh, Doug Marone in Buffalo and also um, down in Jacksonville as well. So that's not necessarily a huge concern to me. It's just – I. Do, do you learn from the experiences that you have with the success that you're having that's now getting you to be one of the top, what, three candidates being interviewed uh, across all of the NFL landscape this year? Um, or do you kind of go back to the well and do the same things that you did before um, to kind of accentuate the players that you have the best? And he did do really good things with Leonard Fournette as well. He leaned heavily on that running game, um, the play action stuff, Blake Bortles not being able to really diagnose and read the field and just not being a good quarterback in general. Um, so it, it is something to kind of keep your eye on here. Now, guys, I want to pivot here. Um, speaking of changes, and obviously we've got the, the head coach conversation going on, and it's been the, at the forefront of everybody's minds in Broncos country. But also what's going on behind the scenes is uh, the Broncos are potentially going to be put up for sale here soon. Um, obviously, the uh, litigation that was going on between Edgar Kaiser and his trust and the Pat Bullen trust on the right of first refusal uh, was shot down the other day. And now it, we will wait. It, according to Joe Ellis, there will be a statement made about the, the next step in the direction for the Broncos ownership situation after the new head coach is hired. So hopefully by the end of next week, we might get a statement from Joe Ellis giving us a, a, a new direction here. What happened the other, or I believe it was last late last night or early this morning um, that was very noteworthy was, I believe it was uh, front office sports. Um, AJ Perez and another, another writer for front office sports broke it, broke news in a report that uh, Denver area billionaire, Robert F. Smith, a guy is uh, a, a black business investor um, was potentially be a suitor for buying the Denver Broncos. Um, let's see, let, let me pull up the article really fast and I'll read you just a quick excerpt from this. I'll give you kind of a little bit of uh, background on this. Uh, with an estimated net worth, this is from frontofficesports.com, quote, uh, with an estimated net worth of $6.7 billion, the 59-year-old entrepreneur ranks as the richest African-American in America, according to Forbes. Uh, the Broncos sale could fetch a record of $4 billion or more, which could make it the richest team sale in U.S. sports history. Um and the, the article continues, according to Woody Page of the Denver Gazette, there are six groups seeking the Broncos, including two with Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and John Elway, and also Brittany Bolin, one of the daughters of late Broncos owner Pat Bolin, has also reportedly readying a bid to purchase the team. This is some pretty big news for the Broncos and Broncos country because Eric and I did a show a while ago, and it was before the litigation for um, – Edgar Kaiser actually came into fold. We talked about Robert F. Smith. Now, Eric, this was a guy, I know that James Campbell is really high on him. What do you know about Robert F. Smith, if if anything? And give us some more background about what might be going on with the Broncos here. Um, well, Robert F. Smith, I mean, there was a tax evasion issue that he had. I believe it was in 2020 that he was able to settle. 
Um, that's the one big smear that he has that is known. I'm sure billionaires have more than that, but uh, you know, that's a whole other conversation there. But he's been linked to buying Denver for a while now, mm-hmm. ever since the passing of Peppel. And there's been a lot of talk. Whenever people talk about, oh, who, who are some guys that could when they go for sale, he's been consistently mentioned with it. Um, there was an interview that he had a while ago where he expressed interest in buying and getting involved in an uh, NFL team. He has a connection to an NFL team as well already. Um, can't remember who. It might be the Steelers. It was the Steelers guy, yeah. Um, uh, Philip Ashe, I think. If it, what, what did you say his name was? Uh, Mooney. Mooney, that's right. Um, I was going to say there's another yeah, local area like guy. Philip Anschutz is another guy. Um, but uh, with Robert F. Smith, the, the the Broncos could make history here because if Robert F. Smith does buy the team, he would be the first majority minority, first minority in NFL history to become a majority owner, if that makes sense. So um, the first African American um, to be a majority owner in in the NFL. Uh, as far as an NFL team is concerned. Now, the other thing that was kind of interesting here was uh, the the article also said, and and Woody Page actually wrote an article the other day for the uh, Colorado Springs Gazette that uh, highlighted this as well. Um, Brittany Bolin potentially being um, searching for a financer to uh, potentially put a bid together to to keep the Broncos in the Bolin family. Um, I don't know the veracity of those claims. I don't know exactly how that would entirely work. Um, she would also have to buy out the remaining six Bolin children and their shares or however many kids that are actually in within the the trust as well. Um, it, it's going to go to an auction from the sound of it. The, the Broncos are going to be put for sale here directly, and it's going to go to auction. It's going to go to the highest bidder. Now, does Brittany Bolin have the assets – necessary to get the 30% to be the majority uh, owner in the Broncos, highly unlikely. I don't think that that's actually in the cards. She's going to need somebody like a Robert F. Smith or like what Peyton Manning is doing, apparently joining in with uh, the C the owner and CEO of the fanatics franchise, which is a sports apparel business. Um, you can buy jerseys and stuff like that at fanatics. Um, Michael Rubin, who has a, a reported net worth of like $6.8 billion as well. Um, but uh, Peyton Manning is teaming up with him in an effort to buy the team. So it's going to be kind of an interesting ordeal over the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned, uh, especially to uh, the, the, the Huddle Up podcast uh, network to find out any more breaking news and analysis. It's going to be very fun. Uh, Rodney Garcia jumping in here and saying, will the Broncos re-sign Melvin Gordon? Eric, what do you think? Three years, $15 million? I don't think they'll re-sign him. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think they will. Um at least not right off the bat. They're not going to make him a priority signing. I would say, though, that I would uh, – Scott, you actually have a good point here. Let me re- retract the statement. Um, uh, going back to Robert F. Smith, he's not the first minority. Uh, Shad Khan, it would be the first African-American um, owner in NFL history. Uh, Shad Khan is uh, Pakistani, and then uh, Kim Pagula is also – I believe she's Korean – um, she's the owner, uh, the part owner of the uh, Buffalo Bills. So uh, pardon me for misspeaking on that. Uh, anyways, back to Melvin Gordon here. Um, uh, I don't necessarily think that Melvin Gordon is going to be a priority re-signing. However, I could see something like with what happened with uh, Kareem Jackson or um, Shelby Harris, where he's allowed to go test the market, go see what's out there, go see you know if you if you can find a, a final payday. Um, by all means, go ahead and go see it. However, if you don't get the offer that you think that you can. Come back here. We, we can definitely use a, a, a runner like you. Um, I understand, you know, you've got uh, um, 
Javante Williams, who outrushed Melvin Gordon this season. Uh, Mike Boone is coming back on a cheap deal as well. But if you can get Melvin Gordon for two and a half or three million dollars next season, he just rushed for nine hundred what twenty seven yards or something, and eight touchdowns, led the team in rushing touchdowns, and like fifty four receptions as well. Like there's a there's a place for Melvin Gordon in this league. There really is. And if you can use that timeshare again with a better quarterback, Melvin Gordon can be a massive asset to this Broncos offense. I, I know that it, you don't pay running backs. I understand that. I, I get it. However, with given the cap space the Broncos have, if they're able to land a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, you have two running backs that they can kind of lean on, help the the, the, the passing offense open things up just a little bit, stack the box a little bit, open some passing lanes. That's an enticing option to me, definitely enticing. And no, well, I'm not paying $5.2 million, Eric. I'm not. Well, two comments on that is, one, Melvin Gordon's probably going to get $5 million plus from a team. Yes. More than and number two, and Scott put this in the private chat, and it's one that's been floated about there. I think um, Kenneth Booker either had an article or was doing an article about it, but Cordell Patterson. Um, go get him. Bring him in. Give yourself an offensive weapon. I'd rather just Another take offensive a, weapon. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather uh, just take a chance on a on a rookie, but if, the, if it was in the cards for one of those guys to come in, Patterson would probably be the first option for sure. But if you could get Melvin Gordon at the right price, I would, I would definitely bring him back. I really would. I'd, I'd pay more for Cordell Patterson than Melvin Gordon. But uh, yeah. I wanted to grab this from Bill Von Arks because he made a comment. I want to talk about Harbaugh. And uh, Harbaugh is either taking a lucrative extension with Michigan or going to the Raiders. He actually signed an extension in January last year, and that's part of the reason that he reportedly wants out. They actually cut his pay. They gave him more in incentives, cut his base pay by almost 50%. So there, there's a new report that came out earlier today that Michigan offered him a massive contract, a new contract extension. It's oh. a different one that's going to bump his pay back up to where he's at because they don't want him to leave. They actually offered him another deal uh, that came out, I believe I it was earlier that. today or late last night. Uh, yeah, because because of the speculation, he's not going to take it as of right now because he wants to see what's going to go on with the uh, with the Raiders gig. Um, so that might be. But yes, you are correct. He did take a, a essentially a massive pay cut, massive pay cut. So I actually went and found it and everything. And the reported of it is that it's still it isn't a it isn't a massive one. Okay. That it's just a slight increase, not quite. I mean, it's not even matching his base salary totals from before his extension last year. It's a competitive offer is what it said to be in the range of about $5 million per year. His base salary now is four with incentives that have an increase in how much they pay is what the speculation is with what, okay. the thing, what it is. The, the, to be competitive with what an NFL offer would be. Um, so I don't know. Like He the, could return, the, but he, never, he wants the um, – there, there's a big belief that he wants the Raiders job. Yeah, there is. Um, and the part of that that scares the holy hell out of me is the fact that uh, reportedly um, Vic Fangio is waiting on other offers that he could potentially go in and getting to take the defensive coordinator job under Jim Harbaugh. They worked together back in San Francisco when uh, the 49ers lost to the Ravens in the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. Um, and that defense was wild, guys. I mean, Ahmad Brooks, they had – um, they had Alden Smith, Justin Smith on the inside, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Carlos Rogers, Donate Whitner. Uh, like that defense was insane, and that really got Vic Fangio 
kind of jolted even more up the map with what he did there. Uh, Rodney Garcia jumping in here and says, uh, Deontay Spencer needs to go and go get Patterson. Um, Scott actually put that behind the scenes in our private chat as well. He would be an immediate upgrade as a returner there. Um, and also, as Eric said, would be a, a fantastic offensive weapon. Um I, I don't disagree with that. He has received, he has receiving experience. It was an electric kickoff returner, um, obviously playing as a running back as well. You can use him in multiple different facets. I, I'm not going to disagree. Cordell Patterson sounds like an enticing option to me for sure. And then um, Nathan asks, why would Jim H want Fangio after Fangio said his brother doesn't care about player safety? Um, well, first of all, I mean, that's just been kind of swept under the rug. They've made up and there's, some speculation that Fangio is in line for as a possibility to replace Mink Martindale there in Baltimore. Yeah, that came out and, earlier today, too. I mean, things happen. It's not a situation to Marquette King and Tom McMahon, Tom McMahon, whatever his name is. I can never freaking remember. Um, the special teams coordinator, where I don't know if you saw this, Marquette King today said that now that he's been fired, he'd be willing to return to Denver. Like, speculation that was big, but. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen between people, and sometimes they just get over it. Um, grown men, um, Vic Fangio and John Harbaugh seem to have gotten over it, and I'm sure, sure sure Jim has. I mean, part of the reason why Vic Fangio got the job in Denver was because of Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that's so. it, actually um, uh, reported. Uh, Benjamin Albright said that the other day as well, um, that uh, John Elway actually reached out to Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and asked him if he wanted to come into Denver to be the head coach. And Jim Harbaugh turned him down, saying, you need to go after Vic Fangio. And that's what turned John Elway on to Vic Fangio to begin with. Um, so, yes, that's uh, definitely a definitely a thing there. There was another question here. I actually wrote it down. Um, ample scramble. It's, it's already jumped in the comment stream, so I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, as far as a new offensive coordinator is concerned, um, could the Broncos be looking at someone like uh, these former players like Shannon Sharp, uh, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith, and uh, Easy Ed McCaffrey? Um, out of those four, the only one that I'm aware of that actually has coaching experience would be Ed McCaffrey, and I think that he's really liking his cushy radio job with Sirius XM right now. I don't think that that would be in the cards at all. Like that. Isn't, isn't he still coaching one of the colleges there too? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. He is, he is the head coach at uh, um, Northern Colorado. I forgot about that. Yeah. Good, good. Pull. And that's right. Jan, I believe Shannon Sharp and Rod Smith have both fought out and said they have no interest in coaching. Yeah. I know yeah. Shannon Sharp has, he said it on one of the, th- on one of the shows that he was on because there was a question that was asked him of Twitter. He likes being on TV too much. Uh, Rod Smith, I think it was he made a comment on that on Twitter uh, a couple of years ago. Somebody asked him about returning. It was before they hired Zach Kazani, I believe. Somebody asked him about coming in coaching wide receivers. He says, "No, I'm not interested in that." No. Um, so there's that happens a lot. Not all former players want to become coaches. Yeah. Uh, Rodney Garcia jumping back in here, showing some love and saying uh, positions that we need in the draft are offensive line and edge rusher and. Like I was saying earlier, man, this this offensive line group, the the tackle group is great. Um, there seems to be some decent interior offensive linemen as well in this class. But edge rusher, man, there could there be four guys taken in the top ten? Eric, could Carl Loftus be the fourth guy taken no. in the top ten? Do you no. think they're not going to be not going to be the car? What about Trevon Walker? No, no. Just, so obviously you're gonna you're gonna have uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, probably David Ojabo as well. Um, man, they're the top fifteen at least is gonna have four. Am I wrong there? I don't think I don't think you should be. 
I'm not sure if they I'm not I'm I'm having a hard time placing Karlaftis. There's been too many big, big draft analysts, Dane Brugler, um, Daniel Jeremiah has come out and said it. Um, Lance came out and said it. Um, there's been a couple others that have really came out and started talking about George Karlaftis day two. Um, a lot of concerns about his length. There's been mentions about questionable effort at times. Um, there's been concerns about an injury that he had last year, I believe, is when it was, or 2020. Um, I, For me, he still should be a top 20 pick at the very least, but too many guys are saying this that it's just too hard, that I just can't shrug it off. Well, one thing that you do see with Karloftis is he struggles at yeah. the point of attack in the running game. He is not a strong guy. He gets overpowered and pushed out, washed out so easily, too. I, I like the length. I think that he's got the ability – he's got a frame to, to add to some power to him, but he is not great in the running game at all. And Scott reminded me that Mel Kuyper had him in the 20s. Yeah. Like more yeah, and more we're starting to see him fall. Um, there's just a lot of tape out there that he just – wasn't that good this last year um, and a lot of other concerns about it. So we'll see. Um, I still think he's good enough to be a top 10 or top 15, top 20 pick. But again, just too many guys that are saying otherwise. Michael Wonkwilo says great show tonight. Uh, Sorry, let me pull that back. Go ahead. Thank you, Michael, for always uh, showing up and everything and uh, always hitting us up on Twitter and showing us the yeah. stuff that you get and everything. So yeah. Have every support. He's got a uh, Justin Simmons jersey that he got the other day i believe he's got the Demarius thomas jersey they're all the color rush ones had another one he showed us the other day he's got du- multiple different dove valley deep divers shirts and hats and everything michael's a, a great supporter of the show and thank you again for joining us uh our pal jumping in here who always joins us as well asking a, a great question here lance and eric have any of you guys seen film uh seen any film on christian watson from north dakota state plays wide receiver and returner six one or six two speed demon had to slow down to uh, to let Trey Lance actually complete passes to him. I have not really focused on Christian Watson. I do remember they did have a deep threat um, from doing some Trey Lance stuff from last year. Um, other than just being straight light burner speed, I can't speak to him. Eric, what do you got, man? I'm going to sit here and say he's terrible and hope that he falls. <laughs> I'm a fan of Christian Watson. He's one of my favorite wide receivers to watch. When um, I was watching a receiver who, wasn't, who I didn't like at all, a guy that had – like not even an, a priority undrafted free agent grade for me. Um, got done watching him, and I was like, oh, I got to I, I turned on some Christian uh, Watson because I had to, I had to get that bad taste out of my, my mouth. Big fan of him. I think he'll go earlier than a lot of people expect he will. So where's Cordell Volson jumping into this tackle class this year? Is he still kind of a day three guy, or do you think that he actually Late day three undrafted? Really? Wow. Okay. He took a step uh, back this year. Wow. Okay. That's that's news to me. Like I said, guys, I'm I'm still new to this, uh, at least for this year. But last year, I was I was excited about Cordovals, and I thought that he could have probably you know rose or like risen up into the late late second, early third round kind of area. Like a great athlete. Uh, we talked about him multiple times on on DVDD. Uh, Garrett Bowles clone. This dude is a Garrett Bowles clone. A long athlete. Good mover, violent, physical runner. Um, needs some refinement as a pass protector. But uh, if you took a, t- a step back, I'll have to go watch him. I, I, I'm intrigued. I'll have to go watch him again. Uh, make sure that we uh, get some get some like-minded uh, opinions here. There's someone in the chat here that's talking about the Broncos being able to take Kyle Hamilton at number nine. Uh, oh, the Broken Pirates over on Twitch. Hey, got to show some love to the, uh, the Twitch subscribers over here. Uh, and Scott, quickly – 
shutting that conversation down. He says Hamilton's not going to make it to number nine. Um, Eric, we <laughs> I like it. I like his last comment though. If the if he if the Falcons pass on him, he's going to roast him. Scott, I will join you with that. If he's there, I don't see how Atlanta can't make that pick. Mm-hmm. I, I would love Kyle Hamilton in Denver so much, but I just don't see him following following yeah. Him, like yeah, it, it's best player in the draft. There it is. I was just about to say, Eric actually had kind of an interesting take about Kyle Hamilton the other day. We talked about his uh, top seventy-five, uh, top seventy-five big board, um, and I believe that was just overall, not specifically to the Broncos. So uh, that's on MileHighHuddle.com as well, guys. Quick Google search will help you figure that out, and you guys can check out the episode where we broke that down on Dove Valley Deep Divers. That was uh, two weeks ago. So uh, uh, Mile High Huddle on YouTube, you guys can find that as well. Uh, Rodney Garcia, who would you guys want the Broncos to pick up in free agency? Um, gonna be honest with you. I haven't really looked at free agency yet to this point. So bear with me on that one. And I apologize. Get, give us a, uh, get at me. So you're on Facebook. I will, uh, I will find this uh, comment. Um, I'll find you on Facebook and we can have a conversation later after the fact, if I get, get to it after uh, dinner and stuff like that with the kids. Um, but uh, as far as what I want the Broncos to do prior to the NFL draft, easy. Go get a quarterback. Go get Russell Wilson. Go get Aaron Rodgers in that specific order for me. Um, and that's pretty much going to kill your free agency. I understand. It's going to kill your free agency, though. That's that's what you want to do there. Like, you're going to take that big cap hit, all the extra money that the Broncos have. You're going to invest it into a quarterback, re-sign some guys that you have on uh, on the roster already. Um, your exclusive rights, free agents. I would like to see Malik Reed brought back as well. Um, maybe see if you can't find a guy that needs a contract extension to, to be able to do something like that. Again, i got a long ways to go here, guys. But, uh, yeah, the free agency, even though it's not necessarily a free agent, go get a quarterback. First and foremost, go get a quarterback. Um, I don't know what free agency is. All I know is the draft. <laughs> um, like Lance, I, I haven't really looked at free agency. I'll look like a couple weeks beforehand and really look into guys available, but it's draft stuff for me. Senior bowl's coming up. Shrine game's coming up. I've got an article about some sleepers in the shrine game. Um, then it's the, it's the scouting combine. And then, after I'm done doing stuff from the scouting combine is when I take a little bit of time to look at free agency, but yeah, and I'm just, I'm just busy with draft stuff at the moment. I'm getting started on draft stuff probably in the next week or so. So we'll be able to more hang out with Eric. And as far as the conversation is concerned, um, be a little bit better for you guys over the next couple of weeks. I do got an idea on a lot of guys, but I need to get better. Um, Eric, I need to talk to you after the show, by the way, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 gonna be fun, guys. We're gonna do a lot of great stuff on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Um, here shortly after the uh, um, the new head coach is hired, we're gonna start in on our NFL mock drafts. The the um, taking a look at the the Draft Network mock draft machine, Pro Football Network's mock draft machine. Um, not Pro Football Focus is one because that one's weird. It doesn't it doesn't work the best. But we'll be doing some mock drafts with you guys like we do every single year on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um, scouting reports, uh, breakdowns, film breakdowns, as much as we can possibly get to you guys. Um, you guys are going to be able to find it all on Mile High Huddle and uh, everything. Every, let's see, the whole Huddle Up podcast network, Dove Valley Deep Divers, milehighhuddle.com. It's it's going to be a blast. I'm really excited to get going with it with you guys. I answer as many questions as we can. And quite honestly, let Eric do his thing. Like that's I'm really looking forward to it this year. But can you trust me? I liked Isaac Adam when he came out. Eh, I mean Isaac Adams, all right. Uh, it, it, he got released. It, that's what. That's why. That's why it came up as a, the. Yeah. 
Oh, he got he got released. I did not see that. I, well, I know that they, obviously the Broncos traded him to the Giants, and then he kind of bounced back and forth got, from the practice squad. Then he got and then he got traded to the he got traded oh, to he the got traded, okay. for I believe um, the one Iowa corner, um, Jackson Johnson. Oh yeah, um, the uh, uh, Josh Jackson. Yeah. Yep, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> Kathy Lund says Eric Trickle equals the draft whisperer. So there's no, that. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott Kennedy running the ones and twos behind the scenes. Shout out to him uh, at Scout Kennedy. Also, folks, while you're at it on the Twit machine, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you're going to get breaking news and analysis, film breakdowns, opinion articles, all of our draft content at Mile High Huddle. That's where you guys are going to be, be able to find that. Uh, Facebook users, go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you can get in on the trickle zone, uh, which is coming back tomorrow is what Eric said uh, with draft content. You're also going to get Kellerman's corner and Broncos book club with Chad Jensen every single week. Eric, what do you got on tap tomorrow? I know you said draft content, anything specific you want to kind of tease out there for the, uh, for the followers tonight. Uh, not at the moment, not at the moment. Okay. Well, maybe do a film breakdown of Charles cross and see if you can't uh, um, dispel some of the myths about him being the, uh, the, whether he is the best pass protector in this, in this draft class or not. Uh, let's see here. All right, folks, if you guys are financially able to do so, you want some really cool stuff to, to you know, to help support your favorite shows, like one of these hats, you know, maybe a, a huddle, mile high huddle state of being hoodie or, you know, a, a T-shirt, anything that you suit your fancy. HuddleUpPod.com, that's the merch tent. That's where you're going to be able to get that. There's a onesie for your baby if that's what you want, a coffee cup to support Broncos for breakfast with Scott and Nick every single, what, Tuesday and Thursday morning, I believe is what it is. Um, but, yeah, HuddleUpPod.com, great way to show your guys' support. And if you guys aren't financially able to do so, that's not your bag. I mean, I get it. We understand. But you guys are here every single day, every single day, uh, six o'clock mountain time. Subscribe Mile High Huddle on YouTube specifically. Um, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch does not matter. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. If you guys see a video or a podcast, anything like that, make sure you click the like button because that helps out a lot. But if you really want to help out, you want to help this, us grow uh, this community that we've cultivated over the last, what, four years or so, especially on the podcast network, um, share it. Get in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, guys, again, thank you all for joining us. Eric, before we get out of here, anything else? Any last words from you, my buddy? A okay. couple comments I wanted to grab real quick. Our Powell said, Eric, great job last Friday on the Broncos country tonight. Thank you, and thanks for tuning in. I was There was a little bit of nerves there, but uh, you know, I had my opinion. I had stuck to it, and beat myself up afterwards after a uh, uh, forgetful memory of Kevin O'Connell's one year as office coordinator in Washington, but it is what it is. And then there was another one from Rodney Garcia here it says, what are you guys takes on the next head coach and switching up the defense four, three or three, four and which linebacker we should keep um, three, four, four, three. That's semantics to me. It's more so about roles, techniques and stance. Are you in, are your ends in a two point stance, three point stance? You can always mix that up. Um, Dan Quinn, the popular guy for it, he had less than 100 snaps in his base 4-3 defense this year. And like over 600, I think, in Nickel and Fangio's were right about the same as well. Nickel is the you. new base. Um, and it just matters how you go about that. Um, Dan Quinn's was a 4-2-5, and yep. I believe, and Vic Fangio's was a 3-3. Yeah, a 3-3. Three, 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 yeah, 3-3-5. Three, three, uh, I was just about to say a, that. Or a 2-4-5. 
at times. Um, just depends on what you're doing with the those rush linebackers that they had. Um, so it doesn't really matter to me. Roles, um, techniques on the defensive line, um, stance. That's what's the, that's the big thing for me. Um, what linebackers we should keep? I think that Denver, depending on who they hire. I would like to see Jonas Griffith retained and Josie Jewell. Those are the two guys that I like the most for it. I'm I'm with you on that one, and it, I don't think that it necessarily matters um, depending on who you bring in. Um, Alexander Johnson is too much old school for me as far as he's not the greatest in turning and running and coverage like that. He's also 30 years old, guys. It, like I understand he's not going to be a, a huge contract guy. Um, he seems like a glue guy. A lot of guys rally around him. He seems to be a leader of the defense as well. But like, quite honestly, as far as his skill set is concerned, I don't necessarily want to move on with him and pay him a whole bunch of money to be that guy. You know, one and a half million a season, maybe. Sure, you can find a role for him. But uh, if if it's Dan Quinn specifically, you need a, a Mike linebacker that can move. Like you need a guy that can turn and run. Uh, Jonas Griffith, I liked him a lot. I like I like what Baron Browning does, but he's going to be the weak side linebacker in that defense more than likely. Um, Alexander Johnson just doesn't have a role really outside of like first and second down anymore in this in the, in this NFL. And again, at thirty years old, do you expect him to grow? I mean, yeah, he's a young 30 as far as the NFL is concerned, but do you really expect him to grow into this coverage role that he hasn't been able to do over the last two seasons? I just don't see it. Like, I'm going to the draft, honestly, and if, if the Broncos don't trade number nine, uh, N'Kobe Dean is a guy that I really like there. I like Devin Lloyd as well, but they've, they've got to figure out something for the linebacker position. They've got to get athlete, like an athlete there. They've got to figure out a way to get bigger, bulkier, and more athletic at the linebacker position. And Baron Browning the term with Brandon Smith later. I could I could get behind that. I could get behind that. That's for sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that at all. Um, but let's see here. Scott saying uh, AJ's days as a big money linebacker are done. Exactly, and and that's a hundred percent correct. Um, Josie Jewell would be another guy um, that that I want to bring back around. Uh, I, I, not the greatest athlete, but at least he's cerebral enough. He can still play in coverage because he gets his depth right. Uh, diagnosis stuff in front of him. He can, he can still play in this NFL, even as a niche player. And I, I like the fact that he's still young, still on a rookie deal, I believe. Um, he might have one year left on that before he needs an ex- – oh, wait, no, he's up for extension this year, isn't he? Who? Uh, uh, Josie Jewell is he up for an unrestricted free agent this year? Okay, yeah, it's a cheap deal. You're probably gonna have him as a special teams player specifically. Uh, last one here, really fast. Jelly jumping in late at the gun with a two dollar super chat. Uh, thoughts on Desmond Ritter at quarterback one? Eric, go ahead. Uh, no, um, my quarterback one is Matt Corral. I don't know enough about the off field stuff to move him down. I'm not super high on Kenny Pickett with the concerns that I have with him. Um, Desmond Ritter, I wouldn't hate him somewhere in the second round, but the fact that the guy who is working with him this offseason, Jordan Palmer, had to use quarterback wins to talk about how good Desmond Ritter is, is bothersome, and then his attention to detail. Like, it wasn't anything on the field, and listen to the, that interview with Jordan Palmer. I mean, he kind of ribs him for stuff on the field. Lack of consistency, lack of um, the um, – what's the right word here? The um, – not not staying in sync with his upper body and lower half, leading to leading to placement issues, placement being all over the place, like his constantly story. talking about these um, inconsistent throw power, throw velocity, like so many issues here on the field, and then he has to go quarterback wins and attention to detail as the as the positives. Like, 
That's kind of rough to hear. The inconsistency in his accuracy stems directly from his bad footwork too. His footwork is really, really bad. And like Eric said, his his bot like his bottom half gets out of sync with his top half. He's just all over the place, inaccurate. As Joe jumping in here or John, excuse me, jumping in here late. But uh, yeah, Desmond Ritter as a guy that you can see a lot of tools that you really like to have. He's got a good arm. He's definitely you can sling it around the yard. But there's a lot of work to go in with that. Um, Eric, am I off by saying that Desmond Ritter like reminds me of a less athletic Jalen Hurts? Like just the the mess that he is as a thrower is Mm. not quite there. I get where you're coming from. Um, Really, he does. Like it's it's wild. For me, I think the big difference here is that Desmond Ritter is not as hesitant to make some of those more difficult throws like we've seen Jalen Hurts. Uh, But I mean, it's not a, I mean, it's not a bad comparison. I mean, I can definitely, I, as I said, I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it again for us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. Um, go Bengals. Go Bengals. I want to see the Bengals beat the Titans this week uh, in a last second shot here. And also go Bills because F-U-K-C. And that's all I'm going to say there. Uh, anyways, guys, y'all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Watch out for a mock draft. I'm going to try to push this kid to do us a mock draft this, this next week. See you guys later. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.